Greetings, this is Hear Her Sports, the female athlete podcast, and I'm Elizabeth Emery. Here in Cleveland, we've been enjoying the 42nd Cleveland International Film Festival, and it was exactly a year ago at last year's festival that I saw the documentary Girl Unbound about the life of Maria Torpakai Wazir. It's a story that completely transfixed me, so I'm honored and thrilled that Maria is my guest today. I'm in awe of her intelligence, insight, and gratitude. She is Pakistan's top female squash player and has started her own foundation with a mission to bring peace to the world through sports and education. But what I most wanted to know was how Maria, at four years old, decided to burn her dresses, cut her hair, and start dressing as a boy. That part of her story strikes me as completely self-aware, confident, and also aware of a direct route to get what she wanted, which was to play outside. We talk about that, gender differences, gender equity, her sister who is in Pakistani politics, being strong and confident, Angelina Jolie, education, the value of sport, and so much more. This episode is jam-packed with incredible quotes. Oh, and one more thing, if you aren't signed up for the newsletter, do so. It goes out every two weeks and has information about the episodes, but also teasers and outtakes, plus links to related articles and videos. I think it's fun, I like sending it out, and I like hearing back from you. So let's get to it. Mario, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, it's my pleasure. Are you uh, at the squash courts now? I am, actually, yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Last year at the Cleveland International Film Festival, I saw Girl Unbound, the movie about your life, and have been thinking about it ever since. Have you gotten a positive response to the movie? And I suspect that athletic girls and women from all over the world would find a little bit of themselves in you. Is that the case? It's a good thing to hear that, you know, um, my life relates to every girl out there, whether it's a, you know, a girl who wants to play sports or a girl who wants to be themselves, herself, or a girl that, you know, wants to achieve her dreams in every other field. And uh, the documentary and my book, A Different Kind of Daughter, um, I think um, it's very well done and very authentic. So, you know, it's just when I hear back from people, and then they hear me speaking, I think they feel that the book or documentary, it's, uh, it's me speaking to them, and they feel connected. Yeah. Um, did you find it hard to make those movies and be so authentic? Well, this was kind of, it took a, it was kind of a real life kind of thing, because I was just busy doing my own thing, and camera was like following me like a shadow. <laughs> And at the same time, the book was done like uh, over the years and um, the book writer is a, became a good friend of me and we were just talking, talking and she was just trying to understand how I behave, how I talk and everything. And the, she, she uh, did a great job, you know, uh, Catherine Holstein. Yeah, she did do a, a really good job. She had a very poetic right. way of speaking. Right, right. I think she was able to capture all those, uh, the way I speak, so it was very... Uh, you know, uh, uh, interesting. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give a very brief history of why your story is so remarkable? Well, for me, it's my story, and this is how I lived my life. Uh, it was a kind of time that, you know, you're not, you're left out with zero options. And uh, the time that, you know, I uh, kind of felt that I want to be outside playing sports. I was young, four and a half, and that was a time when I 
kind of realize the different the freedom that boys have and the you know the restrictions that are on girls and the limited space for girls is like you know stay at home and you know this is their limited space but boys can just go anywhere and play you know in the mountains you know it's just so a lot of space and so much fun so i felt like this is I want to be. And I was just, I think it's written by God. I have a strong faith and I believe that it's just the way you're, this is the software that was installed in me by God. God wanted me to be that way, to me, uh, to behave that way. So at age four and a half, I decided to burn all my girly dresses and cut my ponytail uh, to be myself, the way I want to be. So, but the thing is that I have a strong father and he supported me. He didn't care about the society, what they think. He, even though he went through a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, criticism, he, they put him in mental jail. They attacked him, tried to kill him so many times, and he escaped from there. So all his life, you know, he kept running, es- uh, escaping and uh, moving us around in the tribal areas from area to area. And... He, they, they called him, you know, uh, a, sh- a, a man with no shame or a dishonorable man, because, all because he wants to educate his daughters and let them be themselves. And I believe that in, in our countries, if any girl is a, is, a, is a high achiever, I think there is a father or brother behind that, some man behind that, you know, supporting her. So that kind of thing. And I was good with that, that I was able to... Uh, use, uh, utilize my uh, my opportunity well. Use my opportunity well. At the same time, polish my qualities that God gave in, uh, in uh, gave, gave me, gifted me. So, I was athletic since my childhood. I grew up very strong among boys, fighting and you know uh, always you know in the middle of fight, like bruised and bleeding. And my father was always in trouble. Yet he never discouraged me and he always tried to find positive ways to channelize my energy. And finally, I ended up in weightlifting uh, after, you know, I got into a huge fight and my, you know, I, I, my, I got a brick to my head and I was like soaked in blood and I got like 12, 13 stitches in my head. So after that, my father kind of, luckily we were in a city, Peshawar at that time, and my father felt that there are people play sports in here. And rather than telling me that, you know, I'm 12 years old and I'm going to grow and I'm going to, you know, it's going to be harder for me being a girl, hiding myself anymore. So uh, in the in the society, and it would be very difficult and dangerous in many ways. You know, I can be sexually abused and all those kind of things, but... My father, rather than thinking that way, he even tried to make me stronger and stronger so that I can fight back the society that is so much anti-women rights. So he put me in weightlifting with the name of Genghis Khan. And I, you know, luckily I came uh, second in all over Pakistan boys championship with the name of Genghis Khan uh, under 16. And And I was 12 years old. So after that... I fell in love with squash because squash was uh, squash courts were right there, and I saw some kids playing squash. So I kind of fell in love with that sport, and I asked my dad to, you know, that I want to play squash. So even though he couldn't afford rackets and all, oh, you know, the this is expensive sport, but he never showed, you know, uh, that anything is impossible. He said, "Yes, definitely, we will do it," and he never made us feel that, you know, that money is uh, something that is important. He always said. said when you have a will, I will 
make sure that money is available for you and you do things what you know you 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 do uh, you put your effort into these things but luckily you know i i got into squash and i was gifted a squash racket my first squash racket by the um, by the squash academy so uh, the director of the squash academy he kind of first he was very um uh, he didn't know that i was a girl and once he asked my dad for my birth certificate you know just to enroll me in the academy and that was the time my father had to reveal my true identity so i was very lucky again that you know this guy was uh, very positive though he asked a question from my dad that are you sure that your daughter and he smiled but then you know uh, he said uh, it's a very it's a it's a great thing for our country right now that you know for our province that a go is finally playing from these areas so he gifted me a squash racket the story i mean there's so many things about that story that i want to ask you about i mean one of the things is just how strong your whole family is and i mean not just your father but you knowing with such certainty at such a young age you know like who you were i think that's amazing well that's i think you know um when we look at animals we train animals but when we look at humans we educate humans and education is very important for everyone uh, you know we have to bring awareness to the people and when once you uh, when parents start spending time with their kids and trying to you know like logically explain everything and be friendly and positive and uh, you know always uh, you know always they're always about gaining knowledge so i think that was the environment we had at home my father always believed that our house is a university and you know uh, he would buy those second hand books you know that that um, ends up in our countries from the western countries and he would buy them by at that time by kilogram like 1 kilogram books 2 kilogram books like that and he would bring them home and then he would learn himself my mom would learn herself and then teach us so it was a kind of good environment we had and we were always raised with very humanitarian kind of educa- like knowledge information um in, in a very human uh, humanitarian way and the islam that we learned was very like I think that's the true Islam that my dad taught us. It's very uh, about everyone. It's about peace. It's about humans. It's about like animals and plants and our planet Earth. And I think it's about inclusion and uh, everyone equality. So that's kind of thing. And it also say it also about you know uh, whether someone does not agree with you or is from different religion, you still have your all brothers and sisters. So that kind of really Islam we learned. And I think that's the true Islam that I believe because I read Quran and that's what I find. Mm-hmm. What role does religion play in your life now? I think um, when there are tough times in life, I think I only hope. Uh, you know, the only hope that is, I reached out to go- I reach out to God. I would say, I feel calm, I feel peace in there, and uh, I believe that God responds. Uh, to be honest, in nowadays, it's a kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of time too that a lot of people m- might believe, might not believe, you know, in such things. But you know, I, I and I, everybody is different. That's all good. That's all okay. But the thing is that for me, I think God is very important and. Whoever I am, I have seen miracles in my life, and I cannot even imagine that I'm the same girl from Waziristan, from the tribal areas, you know, and I'm sitting here in the U.S. playing squash in shorts and skirts, and 
I just don't know it's just how it happened. It's just a miracle. Although, but it was a long journey and full of miracles. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a really a nice story. When you burned your girly dresses, did you want to become a boy, or you just wanted the freedom that they had? At that time, when you were young, I think you all you see that you know, um, because I wanted to get in the boys' games, like they were playing marbles, they were flying kites, they were watching the horse races. So, you know, uh, those kind of things. And I felt like, you know, I should be there. And I had a different kind of clothing and hairstyle. So at that age, you, you, you're like, you feel you're, you're looking different just because of your clothing and hairstyle. Otherwise, you are same. You're, you don't see yourself as one gender or the other, a girl or a boy. You don't see as yourself as a girl or a boy. You see as as a human. So that mm-hmm. was the thing for me. You know, when I burnt my clothes and I changed my hairstyle, I think that was the time I felt felt like similar to boys, and I was even stronger than them. Right. Did you do you think that dressing like a boy and hanging out with the boys made you braver, or did you end up thinking like a boy, or did you just become more of who you already were? I think there is less pressure on boys than girls. You know, girls are from childhood. They are taught how to talk, how to sit, how to behave and how to this and that, where to go and where not to go. And then when there are too many restrictions, it actually stops you from growing up like growth. It stops you from being yourself. It stops your confidence. And boys have less restrictions. They can do whatever they want. So that kind of thing, I think when I grew up like that, I just had more... Uh, it wasn't because I'm because of girl and boy. It was more like you know I, you know, no restrictions. That's why I'm very outspoken. I'm not scared of anyone. Whatever I do, I do it. I don't care about anyone. And I think that ha- that's how should be. Girls should be like that, rather than be putting restrictions like unnecessary restrictions for no reason. I believe when I see go- women, you know, in you know, when I see in the tribal areas or even the, our people from villages, they come to the um, cities and you would see that they, the women are sitting in the back of the car in the back seat, and the, the, the mirrors, you know, the windows of the cars are closed and dark like black and still they are inside the car, they are in burqas. Sometimes I feel like the, those men think that women don't have mind or brain. To be honest, women are strong and intelligent, and you don't have to teach them what's right and wrong. You know, being human, we do know, everyone knows that what's right and wrong, and even though right and wrong is also kind of, I would say, uh, we have created, like, what's, I think what's right is when it's not affecting anyone in the world or any other human or plant or animal, you know, you're not abusing them, you're not hurting them, you're not paving a wrong path for them. That is right. But if you are doing something that is affecting everyone else, that is wrong. We know that. Right. So what do you think is so dangerous about girls playing sports? What's so threatening about that? Um, you know, in your book, you talk a lot about how much aggression and threat you experienced because you were playing sport. Right. Well, the thing is that, you know, we are kind of, uh, you know, in a society that has lack of information or education. So what happens, you know, ignorance it's, itself is a kind of uh, dangerous. And when there's too much ignorance, you know, um, there, there, there will be definitely wildness. 
So what happens, they don't know, um, you know, um, the thing is that they don't know the, the what do you say, um, like, they think education is, you know, is not good for them. It's Western and it's Western propaganda. A lot of in the villages, or they think it's a wastage of time. It's the end. Women are going, girls are going to get married. What they're going to do? It's, it is of no use for them. And then they think also there are, I'm just uh, talking about percentage. There are people with different concepts. And some people would say it's not in Islam. Some would say maybe it's, uh, you know, introduce it. Uh, it's kind of vulgarity kind of thing that it uh, you know when the, when the girls are more aware and get education they disrespect men and they also do uh, do what they want and at, the, at that time you know it's out of their control so men wants to control them it's kind of that kind of thing and men thinks that it's their uh, women are their property so rather than human rather than partner rather than their sisters or mothers or you know wives they think it's the this is their property so this is how our men grow up and then they uh, when and the, they end up wild and abusing abuse abusing women Right. That kind of thing is uh, dangerous. And, you know, when I see this is all about education, I'm talking even education have that kind of uh, uh, resp- um, they have such reactions towards women going to school. So then you can imagine if girl, girls are going to sports, they think they are, you know, they're, they're, they don't have any good character or they're not good girls. It's kind of very not good mentality. It, but right now, I think it's things are changing in Pakistan. Um, since when I started playing, it was very different. Uh, was still people thought that you know, I've, I was harassed and you know bullied, and um, it was very abusive response towards me on every step. But the thing is, because they thought that I am playing squash just because I'm there for them rather than playing squash. So for them, it's kind of no less than I would say prostitution. In in a, in a if I use it a little bit lesser, kind of a, a lighter in a lighter way, if I say it, if there is any, any other word, that's in their mind. It's that kind of thing. Right. It's interesting though because I mean, obviously in Pakistan, the, it it's much more extreme. But I mean, certainly. No, but we- things are changing. Things have changed since you know. Right now, I feel that it has been so much chaos. My sister is very outspoken. She's in politics, even though she poor her that she has been like go. She went through a lot of pain. I would say, uh, you know, she was facing harassment. Uh, I think. Um, you know, in August uh, 2017, she's. She had a huge press conference in Pakistan and she spoke up about harassment that she was facing. And you can imagine when you talk about such things in our society, what is, what is going to be the response? Like people, men were starting running campaigns against her with fake uh, Facebook IDs or Twitter accounts and started running campaigns to throw acid on her, kill her. And they were pretending to be like, you know, like fake IDs, like women, you know. They were trying to be like uh, running to fake. Uh, they were trying to run fake IDs in the name of women and uh, trying to attack her, right? And we were actually uh, we had severe threats in this uh, last year in August. We were locked in a two-bedroom uh, apartment. Even though she, my sister, was the strongest woman in Pakistan, she's a parliamentarian, and this is the 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 
highest level position. Yet you can imagine that this is what women have to go through when they speak up about such issues. And when you go towards, you know, other the the women who don't who are not on such um, powerful positions, you can imagine they will never ever get justice or a voice that they can ever explain or explain themselves or stand up for themselves this kind of thing um but the good thing is that you know we women have to fight we women have to stand up not only for ourselves but others and this is our this is um, you know we shouldn't be we should not care about uh the outcome anymore because this is where us used to be like 100 years ago when women started running in boston marathon and all those you know and they were stopped from that but they they tried and uh today you see there are so many men and women they're running together so much support for for each other this is how we should be yeah i was also going to say that you know some of our professional women athletes are still fighting for a lot of the stuff that you're talking about in terms of equal pay you know like the hockey team is the us hockey team is trying to fight for equal pay the us soccer team had to fight for equal pay and the same is true of the women's basketball so i mean yes you know like we have a 100 year gap but we still don't have total equality here so Um, well the thing is step by step we have to we will get there for sure and it's kind of the mentality how we raise our sons and our daughters you know i think it will change eventually this is the responsibility of mothers how we raise our sons that's how i should i think and rather than thinking you know being offended by you know women you know being empowered or uh, being equal i think no man should offend because the real man would not get offended because they being human we are all equal and we all have you know weaknesses or strengths or qualities uh we just are god created us men and women for each other as partners as supporters as being you know um uh, as a as a comfort for each other we both are good in many ways you know uh, the world would not be able to run without uh women i would say um it's important to 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 be you know be kind right and i like i mean yes i agree that you know women's role is to raise good sons but vice versa of that i really like your example of your father raising a really strong pair of women daughters who can go out into the world and and make a difference that's very true like we should raise strong uh, daughters that's for sure and at the same time um uh for girls also have to have believe in themselves i sometimes i feel even girls here sometimes they are lacking that ability to have self like confidence um i think it's important for them to think of themselves that they are strong they're equal and they're no less than anyone and this is very important for girls to think that way because they are equal Yeah, I I'm hopeful about that. I'm seeing changes now in the younger girls in that level of confidence. I think it's great. Right. Right. So, let's talk a little bit about squash. Um because you're at the squash court, I know that you're still playing. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh squash has been a little bit difficult for um for uh, almost a year and a half. Um it, it's it's been a very difficult time recently for me. Um you know maybe one day i will talk about it but not this time 
um, but um, I couldn't really focus on it and I just couldn't feel being on court. I was, um, you know, there was a time that, you know, because I, my family and myself, we did so much for Pakistan, for Pakistani people and you know, for being honest and for being true, I think the the response that we get uh, it was very abusive. It just hurt me so badly too. And uh, but you know, we go through this situation for a reason. We have to learn. And I think I still am not upset with those people because I think that they need education, and they need to put their energy into positive side and play sports rather than you know uh, fixing others. We have to fix ourselves change will start from ourselves you know i think the time we start knowing about about ourselves who we are and what we should do and what is our destiny by god and what are our responsibilities as human i think everyone can be an activist everyone can be a leader in their own way and i think this is how we should act very responsibly but the thing is that um, right now i feel that uh, it's a good time to be around my family uh, I moved back to Pakistan recently, a week ago. So I feel that, uh, you know, I I think it's a good time and I'm going to stay there a little bit and maybe I can just start training a little bit there. That's a big move. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you what your life was like in Canada, but you're moving. Uh, no, I was in Canada. I was in Canada and I um, came to New York. Um, a tough time, but uh, I mean, good time too. And there were times that I learned a lot. Um, so maybe one day I'll, one day you will, I mean, one day. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I'll so. talk about that. I'll talk about that. Well, you know, I know that you have your foundation. And one of the questions I want to ask about is, um, you're doing this great work, and one of the pillars of your foundation is the importance of sport. So why is it that you think that sport is so important? Uh, because I was an aggressive child. I can say I, I look like this uh, Kim Jong. <laughs> uh, no, you I don't. Would, I, well, I, I used to look like him. I had a buzz cut like him. I'm I've seen pictures. I, was, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> I, I think I was like him. And then uh, I changed a lot. And now I'm not like him. And, you know, I would I would totally tell him to play sports because his behavior will totally change. And I am sure he will disarm like like all the nuclear weapons and everything, because <laughs> I think this is sports that can change, uh, bring huge change in him. So um, I believe in sports and I think that uh, it can uh, it can make you disciplined and at the same time um, uh, connect can connect you to the world and can bring you closer to yourself like on a soul, a soul level um, on a spiritual level and I think you would understand who you are and what your weaknesses are what your strengths are and um, I think sports can totally transform you and cleanse you from all kind of negativity and make you a very positive and responsible human. Do you think that's true both for people like you who are obviously physical learners and for people like your sister who are much more bookish? 
Well, the thing is, sports are. I I always would encourage people to play sports alongside education. It's very important because there is an exercise that we do for brain, but then there is exercise but then we have to do for body, and then there is exercise for our soul. Means prayers, you know. Stay connected to God. So there are three kind of things, and we have to be, uh, you know, studying, playing sports, and be at the same time connected to God. I think these three are very important for our mind, body, and soul. That's really nice. And you know, so many cultures who have been successful have similar feelings. I love when I hear people talking sort of in a universal language. Right. No, uh, I think human are everywhere same. Whether I'm from Waziristan or someone in the U.S., uh, when you you know look at the boys when they reach out to their like teenage, they go a little bit um, <laughs> out of control. Whether they are in jungles or they are in here, so <laughs> it's it's the same. It's the same kind of attitude. Humans are all same. Right. right. <laughs> So, so what are you doing in the foundation? What are your plans and your goals for the foundation? Um, well, the thing is that, um, you know, definitely the idea is to um, bring peace to the world through sports and education. And sports is a very huge part of my life. So I would say through my foundation, I want to connect the Eastern uh, world to, uh, to the West because... Uh, that way we can understand each other and all the illusions or fear that we have or hate that we have that can go away. So we, I have programs like that that I'm going to introduce inside Pakistan. I'll be building um, a universe, sports science university in Pakistan, um, God willing. And at the same time, there are really quality projects that I'm working on and it will show up in near future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. I just, I, just, I just hope that uh, people support me on this journey, my foundation, and make it easier for me because alone is difficult and together we can make it happen. Sure. At the same time, I would say <laughs> there's, um, I think I have a huge, um, you know, interest, uh, desire, I would say, to be in Hollywood movies. Um educational movies and uh, you know um, I'm a big fan of Angelina Jolie I met her last time um, you want to be in movies in... oh yeah, yeah. cool that's <laughs> in, awesome in Hollywood. yeah in Hollywood movies I feel that I my dad gave me all the permission and why not just just reach out to every single thing that I like to do yeah and I, w- I would I would really like to be in Hollywood movies, and I hope that you know i I get into like good movies like you know action movies and stuff like that, educational movies. I think it's a great platform from where you know you can get even stronger and people look up to you and then you can also do a lot of great great things for them from that platform. Oh sure, that's true. Yeah. So what are your what are your favorite movies? I know you like Rocky. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> okay. I like Rocky and I like, you know, um I mean Rush Hour, Jackie Chan movies. Oh, Jackie when, Chan, awesome. Jackie Chan, Van Damme, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, they all have really funny and good, strong movies. At the same time, Angelina Jolie has very good, strong movies. I like her, you know, uh, in a lot of movies. So I wish I, I get into, 
I'm the one chance in those movies. And, uh, you know, those movies are really fun too. What's that name? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, Harry Potter kind of movies. Yep. Have you seen Black Panther yet? No, not yet. Oh, it's really good. I think you'll like I've that. Seen the, I've seen the Catwoman. Okay. And, yeah. and what is it? I mean, you've been involved in so many sports and just sort of running around and riding your bike and this and that. Like, what was it about squash that sort uh, no, of grabbed your attention? No, no, I wasn't involved in so many sports. Like, since childhood, the sports that you call is like natural way of living, just playing. You know, it's like playing. Like, you just play marbles or you just fly kites or you just, there's another game, Gully Danda, or then you do like a uh, dodgeball or all those kind of things. We have local names for those kind of things, right? Hide and seek and all those. This is a fun kind of things. Uh, uh, or, you know, toy guns, you know, when you play that. But then you, um, again, when you go towards, like, professional sports, I think the only sport I was introduced was weightlifting, and then I fell in love with squash. And squash is a second biggest sport in Pakistan. So, And I didn't know at that time, but, you know, uh, I saw a lot of kids playing, and, and everybody was so much into it. So I liked the energy, I liked the sport, and the rackets, the outfits. So I kind of got into it. Hmm. I mean, because at least from your book, it sounds like it grabbed you right away. The squash or? Yeah, the squash. There was never every, any doubt that this was a sport for you. Oh, the, well, the thing is that um, I, I did weightlifting for a few months, but weightlifting also helped me a lot to get stronger. And I think that helped me to be in squash. Squash is such a demanding sport, like physically. And it's so strong, and I think um, I was able to. I had a really strong hitting, and that helped me to get through it. Like in the in the beginning, we start, mm-hmm. started winning right away. I was really interested in again from your book that you always were looking for you know friends to hang out with, and you sort of hesitated often to call them friends or not. Um, well, the thing is that I get along with everyone. I, you know, I just have uh, such energy or maybe I say personality that everybody is happy around me. Like I talk to kids, they're, they have fun. And when I'm around uh, my age, uh, you know, people, I think they're, I'm okay with them. Um, and older people, I have a lot to ask and questions so it's always for them also have fun too so but it's really hard for me to say like who is my friend and who is not I think I for me everyone is friend like I that I can't differentiate between that yeah and you travel around so much it sounds like I travel a lot yeah yeah um but um like people have friends who you say they are friends forever. I don't think I have anyone, but I just can say that I get along with everyone. And uh, right now, I think, um, you know, I think in Canada, there are a few people that I feel that they are good friends of with me. And then you have a strong bond with your family, for sure. Oh, yeah, very strong. Yeah. One of the parts of the, your book that really moved me was when you first brought home the winnings from your first squash tournament. Yeah. C- can you talk to me about supporting yourself as a woman and being able to support your your family in that way? Right. One thing I think in my brain just uh, got in there that, you know, being a man 
you know, when I saw men supporting their families and uh, everyone, it got into my mind that I will be supporting my family, like the movie Breadwinner, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of thing got in my mind that men are the breadwinners and I thought I can be the breadwinner and I'm going to look after my family too. So I was always very cautious. I never asked my mom, dad for like uh, anything like, you know, buy me shoes or buy me clothes and uh, racket because the first racket that I got was gifted. And my dad, yes, my dad got me secondhand shoes the first time uh, other than uh, other than that, I started collecting like, you know, torn balls from the bushes that uh, boys would throw out like bad balls and I would collect them, glue them together and play with them for hours and hours. So it was like that when I would go for the tournament, I know it was hard for my mom, dad financially in in this big city because we are from tribal areas. And when we moved from tribal areas, it became really hard for us to survive that way. Uh, cities are expensive and a lot of more, a lot of bills. So anyways, I was uh, very cautious about that. I asked, I would ask my mom to give me like 500 rupees and I would buy myself a bus ticket. I would go in public buses sometimes, you know, uh, like I would travel through Pakistan alone in boyish clothes with my one small bag, like racket bag. And I would arrive there sometimes at midnight and I would tell my mom that, you know, I would have 500 rupees for the ticket, uh, 200 rupees for the ticket, 200 rupees for the food. And then I would win the tournament and then I will come back uh, buy my ticket, you know, return ticket. So it, that kind of attitude I had. Um, and the first tournament that I went for, uh, it was uh, it was a junior tournament in uh, Wahkent. And it was a huge drama there, you know, because everybody thought that I'm a, I'm a boy and why they're putting my name in girls' uh, draw. So everybody was so nervous and so argue, so much arguing. And I was sitting upstairs, you know, in the gallery and watching all that. And they couldn't believe that I'm a girl. So finally, uh, you know, they found, they got my birth certificate and they, even though they still couldn't believe, but they let me play and I started winning. So the first match I would win like so easily with the young girl couldn't get a single point from me. Any girl who would lose, she would go out crying that they made me play with a boy, you know, like that. So, but, um, you know, I won the tournament. I got a, a, a small bag that had um, a one Flesenger brown color shorts, uh, socks, one cap, um, things like that, and um, 1,400 rupees. So I was very happy and I got my shorts, new shorts, and I gave it to my mom, 1,400 rupees. Yeah, I mean, have you gotten, uh, I don't know, pushback trying to encourage other women from Pakistan to become breadwinners? I mean, is that one of your goals? I think the thing is that for girls, it's important to, you know, to think that way, to be like, to think that they're strong, they can, they should be independent. I think it's my goal to give them skills, education, very like basic education is very important. Skills are very important for women in our countries, Um, you know, and sports for sure. Uh, I think uh, because the skills would give them um, confidence and um, uh, integrity because they they would know that no matter what happens in their life, they can always come back and stand up and, you know, live uh, an honorable life, you know, work hard. 
rather than begging, rather than asking people for help, rather than being in a miserable condition or situation, I want to protect them, these women. I have seen you know, horrible things happening to women who did not have education. They didn't have any skills. So what happened when they're, when in the families, when their husbands or family men, they die in drone attacks or, um, you know, in army operations or militants, of, you know, bomb blasts and things like that. What happens, the women are left out, you know, and what they're going to do, they, 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 they end up on roads, nothing else. So I want to give them a dignified life. So you talked a lot about goals just now. Are the so for the next year? What are your you know like what are your main goals for this next coming year, twenty eighteen? Um, well, the thing is, I want to get back in squash and get start getting fit again. That's my goal for myself. It makes me happy. When I'm happy, then I'm able to help anyone else too. At the same time, I think um, I think I. You know, as I said, the projects are very, like, if these are huge projects. So the, the university, at the same time, we are working on one of uh, uh, a program for young athletes, uh, collect, connecting them to the, you know, top athletes. So I hope we can, we will be able to do it by next year. Great, great. Well, at the, at the same time, at the same time, maybe I'll be in a Hollywood movie too. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Maria, I really appreciate talking to you. It's been a real pleasure. I look forward to talking again someday to catch up and find out how squash is going and everything else. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks to you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. Spread the word about fantastic, strong women speaking up and doing amazing things. Please subscribe on iTunes and encourage people you know to do the same. It really does help more people find the podcast. There are some fun episodes already in the can, so keep listening. Thanks to Agnes Studio, the blog, She Rides Her Bike, Gold Mines, and Leap Strategies for super support and partnerships. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye-bye. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.